0: Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I'm Lisa Williams, and I'm so excited to introduce my new friend. We had an opportunity to meet at a coaching program and have become friends and lovers of of helping families get through some of the trauma that divorce can cause. Uh, Miss Andrea DeVore, welcome to our show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. So, Andrea and I, uh, we had the blessing to meet one another at a Be Seen on TV Accelerator Coaching Program. Who knew that so many people wanted to be seen on TV in this world? But we immediately connected. She's a certified divorce coach and career development coach, and she's really focusing on helping professional women um, find their Is it better, betterly ever after? Is that what it is? It's happily Happily, ever after. Happily ever after. Happily better after. Sorry. Happily better after. I absolutely love that. And you're doing it both in their professional world and their and their marriage life as well. So, hey, just start. Give us a little four one one. You know, help us get to know you a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah. So my, you know, my path to becoming a a divorce and career coach is really non-traditional. I spent 20 years in the corporate marketing world. So I had a very different career before I started doing coaching. My career in marketing was great. I had a lot of fun. I met great people. I got to travel the world. I, you know, very comfortable lifestyle. And while I was climbing that corporate ladder, I actually got married and divorced, not once, but twice. So, I realized a couple of years ago, I really had kind of a divine awakening inside of me and realized that, you know, for the next 20 years of my career, it would be really easy and comfortable to stay in marketing, but this is not what the work that I want to do in my soul. It's just not, you know, I loved my job and I, I miss a lot of the people I work, I used to work with, but I realized that my real calling is actually to help empower women get through really hard things in life. And when I say really hard things, divorce is obviously something that you and I both know touches 50% of American children, right? 50% of kids are affected by divorce in some way in the US. I know every year even with divorce divorce rates slightly declining with the pandemic, recession and sort of financial implications, there will still be 2 million adults who get divorced this year. So, it affects so many people. And I think, particularly for women, the system isn't set up. And when I say system, I mean a bit of the legal process and all of that. It, it's not set up to really impart a huge amount of compassion towards women into the, true. Yeah. Yeah, into the, the process. You know, statistically speaking, women's income declines by 41% after a divorce. Mm-hmm. That's more than twice as much as men's, right? so I, i'm i I am interested in helping all gendered all people, you know, whatever you identify with, I'm interested in helping all people. But I do think that the specialty on really thinking about women is that you know when you're faced with divorce, you're never prepared for it, right? Like even if you're the one who wanted to have it or want you know in, initiated the divorce process, It still comes with the same amount of pain and grief and loss and frustration, as well as, by the way, opportunity on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. So for me, I not only want to work with women to help them through it, but actually to do what I did, which is take a horribly devastating situation and see opportunity on the other side of it, an opportunity to create something better than I ever could have created in the past.
1: I love that. Well, and I find so many of our guests they have found themselves in a time of devastation as you said and and it really has it's it's what they do with that that really can transform their lives. So let's let's unpack, you know, what you do a little bit because I think you said a few things. One of them was that 2 million people. Okay, so 2 million lives are going to be impacted let's face it, it's, it's going to be negative in some way. And there's probably how many children in those 2 million? I mean, is it, is it most of the time they have children as well?
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, it is mixed, certainly, but I mean, there's, there are 60 million children in the United States and 50% of those children are affected by divorce. A huge amount of children are in a blended family with a step parent or, you know, one biological parent and then a significant other of that biological parent, right? It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's very common.
0: Lots of children are affected for sure.
1: Well, and you said something when, before you shared with me that your situation was rather unique in that you had stepchildren. Kind of tell us about that, what you shared with me, because I think it's it creates a whole another element of blending and creating relationships and things like that.
0: Well, it's amazing, right? There's so much to talk about when we talk about blended families there are more non-traditional families than not out there in the world depends on how you define traditional versus non-traditional. Yeah. So in my case with my ex-husband, he and I got married and we were raising his three children, you know, about 40% of the time, about 60% of the time they were with their mom. We lived, you know, 10 miles apart, you know, from each other. So his kids were used to living in two houses, right? You know, they, they adjusted to that at a very young age. They're wonderful children. They're still part of my life, which is probably the biggest blessing. I've and ever how
1: old been. were they when you came into their lives?
0: So uh, twin boys had, were just about to turn six. Okay. and My stepdaughter just turned four at the time that I met them. Such a great age yeah, lo- I mean, they're just mm-hmm. so loving. You know, they just mm-hmm. they love you and they you know they just they just want to do fun things with you and sort of snuggle up. and you know it's great. there's the yeah. I, I, great ages, yeah. and you know through through the marriage, what I realized was, you know, being a step parent is a really unique opportunity to not only show up as my best self for those kids as a stepmom, but also to really build up my ex-husband and his Mm ex-wife. And I'll be the first to tell you, I wasn't great at that at the beginning. I didn't really know anything about that. I'm not a mom myself. You know, I have my stepchildren, but I don't, I don't have biological children. And I think being married to him and being part of that family gave me so much knowledge and understanding and compassion on how to deal with things, you know, that Mm -hmm. came up like, while you know while we were married the kid's mom her father passed away and it was a hor- it was a it was like probably a moment where i reached out to her for maybe one of the first times that it was just her and i talking you know not through my ex-husband and i think it began a bit of a different kind of relationship between us where you know, I reached out to her one-on-one to say, I am just so sorry that you have lost your father. If there's anything I can do to help your kids through it or help you through it, I'm here. And, and I say that example, because I think as anyone listening, who's dealing with, you know, the other woman or dealing with, you know, the, the co-parenting issues, especially when one of you have new relationships, it's critical to remember you're all there in service for the kids. Like no Mm -hmm. matter how it started, no matter how this all happened and who's at fault for the divorce or when it happened. You know, I met Matt, my ex-husband, two years after he had been divorced from his ex. But, you know, still in some ways I'm like, did I, I don't know, would they have gotten back together if I didn't come in? I you know, (laughs) I have
1: I've had those thoughts myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I think the, you know, some of the lessons that I learned in all of this, and, and since Matt and I have gotten divorced. I think the biggest blessing in my life is his ex-wife, Carrie, the kid's mother, who has, she has shown me such genuine generosity and graciousness of spirit to say to me, you know, Andrea, the, the kids can't lose you. They, they love you. You've been a part of their lives. Like, you know, don't disappear, you know? Yeah, and. and- you know, through a lot of like healing. And I think showing up for each other in a new way, I think that we've been able to, I've been able to do what's best for the kids, which is, you know, I'm here. They know that they can call me, they FaceTime, they can text me. The pandemic has been a bit challenging to see them more regularly, just trying to be safe. But, but I will, I would say, I think at the end of the day, in any blended family, all I can impart upon anyone I talk to is show up for the kids put your differences aside and show up for those kids. You know, statistically speaking, when we look at what children need going through divorce, kids need three things. And the first is the easiest. They need love and affection from their parents. Fine. Number two, they need parents to manage their own stress. That's hard to do sometimes when you're, you know, and then number three, they need a conflict-free environment. You know, that's what the experts tell you, love and affection, mm-hmm. manage your own stress and minimize conflict. And, you know, divorce doesn't mess kids up. Those other things mess kids up, you know, right? kids are affected by that. So, so yeah, so that's a little bit more about my personal story and, and trying uh, to And,
1: and let's, let's talk about that relationship because, you know, I think I, I may have shared with you my, my divorce, you know, it, I don't know that this was definitely you know, I know it was a factor, but I, I had a very good friend that my, my husband, my ex-husband, it was revealed, started dating, you know, after we, after we decided to end things. And I felt a lot of resentment at first she was a, you know, very, very close friend. And what's amazing is she's, she's one of my best friends again, you know, and it's because We have, you know, I, I was blessed with forgiveness for both of them and myself, you know, and I remember we, when, when I found out that, oh gosh, they're actually serious. You know, this isn't just a kind of, you know, rebound or whatever, right? Shoot. I'm going to have to really like get clear on what I want this, this family to look like. And that was, that was what it, it was, was focusing on the kids so let me ask you a question because this was interesting I remember when we were first like blending right and we had the first birthday party and we 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 had we were very blessed that our friends didn't choose sides they just loved us at all you know and it was that first birthday party and like we were all actually pretty cool by then you know but our friends felt so awkward. And so, you know, like I still remember that day. And, you know, like I think it lends a question to just society. And, you know, unfortunately, I feel like society kind of puts us at odds with it. And it's almost like promotes, like why would you forgive? And, you know, things like that. I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Right. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on that. So I I think, first of all, I think you're right. I think society does promote that. And I also think, so you you mentioned earlier, Lisa, one of the most important things is you said something about, you know, time, right. And like time, time heals, but I don't think it's about time healing. I think it's about what you said, which is it's what you do with that time mm-hmm. that matters in terms of how well you can adjust to any new situation in life, whether it's divorce, blending the family, what have you. I think if you realize that what you do with your time needs to be deliberate and needs to be about healing, one of the first things you'll do is really kind of filter out those voices in your head, whether, or sorry, in in your life, whether that's society or the people you surround yourself with who are Mm -hmm. saying negative things to you. So, you know, it's easy. And me as a good friend to many other women who have gone through divorce to say, oh, you know, at the time, you know, years ago, like oh, well, he's terrible because he cheated or he lied or he did this. And, you know, oh, and this new girlfriend, she's trash, you know, or whatever. Like it's, it's really easy to denigrate the other person and to kind of play the blame game because you're trying to be supportive of your friend. So mm-hmm. now one of the things I work with you know my clients on is what is your circle of support? Who are the people in your life and how are they building you up and kind of promoting sort of the positive healing versus staying stuck in some of that negativity that ultimately is going to affect your children and,
1: and right. you. rehashing the same stories over and over and yeah, yeah.
0: it's mm-hmm. and you know what it's easy to get stuck I think in a lot of ways society sort of blames the other woman or the other man or this scenario because it's easier it's easier mm-hmm. to place blame there versus saying to someone, you know, and to myself included, like, hey, let me go look deep within, you know, what was my role in this marriage ending, even though there were a lot of things that he did. I mean, trust me, a lot of things that were very fundamentally wrong and sort of against the institution of marriage at a very basic level. I still had a role there too, you know, and it's like, I think if you can really do the hard work and use the time that you have to heal and to really look within. It's like you take, the, you take some of the concepts of, of healing and forgiveness and, you know, and when you start to apply them to yourself and really think like, how can I show up as the best version of myself, even in these very traumatic and devastating circumstances, I think you realize that it's most important to listen to those voices that are bringing you to a positive place in life and really trying to filter out a lot of the negative noise you'll hear from society from your friends.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I literally, there was this one time we were Caroline and I, we actually, she's, I consider her my co-mom. Like she's amazing. You know, she's helping me raise my babies, you know, who are now like 21 and 18. Right. We've, we got, went through this a long time ago, but I remember when the boys were little, we actually were co-moms as in a, in one of their classes. And literally some of the other women actually would like, they would talk behind our backs. Like, it's weird. Like what are they thinking? You know, and
0: how crazy is that? Right. You know, I, I I didn't experience that exactly, but I have a sweet story that I think it, it, so my stepdaughter, Sophia, when she wanted to get, she wanted to get her ears pierced and she had to wait a long time to do this. Right. She, you know, she was very focused on, on this for years and so in, in our family, we're, you know, we're Catholic and Sophia's mom is Catholic as well. And I actually got my ears pierced after my first communion. And so did Carrie their her mom. So it was funny because we said to Sophia, you have to wait until your first communion to get your ears pierced. And back when I was still married to her dad, she said, when we go to get my ears pierced, I want you to hold one hand. And I want mommy to hold the other hand. Like she wanted us both to be there. Oh, I and love that. And then, and this was honestly, it was probably more than a year before um, the split. And then, you know, after we split up and separated and, you know, the divorce proceedings happened, Sophia said to me, I still want that. I still want you to hold one hand and mommy to hold the other hand. And you know what we did? So that was, uh, you know, and, and again, that was part of sort of coming together and just saying, I don't care what the world thinks. Like, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me what anybody else thinks about this, because these, this, this girl is a priority to me in my life and her brothers are too. And trust me, I had more people than you can imagine. Very well-intentioned say to me, okay, now that the marriage is over, you have to say goodbye to the kids. A lot of people said that to me and right. I had a therapist say that to me. I had, are you kidding me? I did. And, you know, and I said to my therapist at the time, I, you know, I said, you know, listen, I am going I am not going to make a plan for this. What I'm going to do is show up with my full heart and be available to them in whatever way they need me. And I will continue talking to Carrie to figure out what is the best way to show up for them. But I'm not going to force myself, nor am I going to disappear. That's not who I am.
1: I'm actually baffled by this right now. <laughs> I'm a psychology major. I be, almost became a, a marriage and family counselor. And you know what, it, it just brings to mind that we just don't know what we don't know. I mean, I think there's just, there's, I can't imagine why, unless you are a damaging influence in a child's life, sure. why someone would ever recommend you disappear from a child's life.
0: Well, and I don't think that was the recommendation. I think it, I think the recommendation was more about you need to move forward and do sure. what's best for you. You know, don't kind of, don't try to hang on because they already have a mom you know, which makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, well well-intentioned advice. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about
1: therapy because I mean, for me, that was one of, I, I love therapy by the way. I, I remember thinking, okay, I know that I, I want to get married again someday and, Odds are stacked against me even more on that second one. So I I better figure out my stuff. You know, what was my, what was my part in this breakdown of our marriage? And I found out some very, you know, unflattering things about myself that I've, you know, I'm still working on. Right. But like, tell us your thoughts on, you know, how important is that? How important was that for your own, your, your own healing?
0: I would say paramount in my healing, in my journey, in life. So when I first got married, I was in my late 20s and it was a quick marriage. <laughs> we sort of, we knew, every, you know, we had a bunch of friends in common, you know, we're in our late 20s. It's like, well, everybody's getting married and it sounds so cliche, but we both fell into that trap of like, okay, well, this is the next step. You know, we've been dating for a handful of years. We live together. Let's do it. And as soon as we got married, we realized, oh gosh, this is not, this is not Right. And so I immediately went into therapy for myself after that. And it was the first time I ever had. So I was 30 years old, you know, in therapy for the first time. And really, I have stuck with it. I'm in my early 40s now. So I've been in regular, you know, I would say not weekly, but like pretty regular therapy for the last decade. And I think it's critical. I recommend all my clients go to therapy, as well as do coaching, because it's two very different things. Like, So I like to, and I'll make a quick distinction because I think it's actually helpful in the context of talking about psychotherapy. A lot of people ask, well, what's the difference between therapy and coaching? For therapy, a therapist is going to help you pick up your baggage or look at your bag, unpack your baggage, right? You have baggage you carry with you. A therapist is going to help you look backwards and say, okay, how did all these things get packed in your suitcase, right? Like childhood patterns, influences, you know, Events that happen to you, right? That's sort of therapy will help you do that. It's critical to know how you packed your suitcase in the first place and got your baggage. What a coach will do, and specifically a divorce coach, is help you pick up that baggage and move forward, right? What do you take out of your suitcase now? What do you need to put in? Like figuring out how do you move forward with your life. So for me, therapy has been really paramount in terms of looking back and understanding my role in that marriage my role with my job. Like what, you know, what am I doing in the world? What's my spiritual connection? I've always been very religious, but I don't know that I've been as spiritually connected as I could have been before therapy. And I think then once I got into my second marriage, you know, it was very different. I thought, oh, okay, well, I've learned so much and I already know what I need to know about relationships because I've been showing up for therapy, you know, routinely, and I'm not going to make the same mistakes again. And indeed, I did not make the same mistakes, but it still was a very unhealthy marriage and relationship for me to get in on a lot of levels and mental illness was involved. So, you know, some of that, you can't really help that Move it out of your control. Yeah. yeah there, you know, there's nothing that, you know, there's really nothing to be done about it other than to figure out, you know, can I deal with this? Do we have enough to work, work on and enough of a basis? And is there enough of a commitment to get help? And, you know, that wasn't there. So at the end of my second marriage, I think, you know, three years ago, it was really difficult to believe in therapy for a while because mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't have fallen into this. Not that I don't want to say the same trap, but I shouldn't be in another, you know, failed marriage. This, I should have been able to prevent this for myself And I will say, I think in terms of the work you need to do, it is all about making sure that you are going deep inside and not just doing things for self-comfort, but really doing things for self-care and self-healing. You know, self-comfort for me is like getting a manicure or taking a bubble bath or drinking a cup of tea. Self-care is like journaling about hard things. Self-care is showing up to my therapy appointment. Self-care is digging really deep and having tough conversations with people at work. Like, those are things that help you take care of yourself, whereas yeah. they, go yeah. ahead.
1: and I And I think also you said something that hit me just then. I wanted to step in because I actually had to shop around for a therapist a little bit because I think, you know, you you could go to a therapist that would just listen to you and, and feed into what you're saying. Well, I needed someone that was going to challenge me also and say, okay, you know, like certainly listen, but also let's unpack what, what your part of that was, right? Yeah. You, you said a few things that I want to, I want to circle back on. So you talked about your faith and, you know, for my, my audience, they know my faith is I'm not, I'm not just a you know, fan of Jesus. I'm a disciple. Like I'm, you know, I know that from the bottom of my soul that everything that I face in life, I it is for me. It's not happening to me. And it can be used for good in my life and others. And I think your story's a a really lovely example of that because you you do you think you'd be doing what you are doing now if you hadn't gone through that pain
0: of that second divorce. There is no chance. I I would be living a blissfully ignorant life doing probably in some unhealthy relationships, probably not showing up as a friend, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a stepmother. I wouldn't be showing up in the way that I am today without having gone through the experiences that I have. I've been, I've been touched uh, by God to understand that a miracle is being able to look at something in a new light, to be able to look at tragedy as the biggest blessing that's ever happened to you in your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there is, you know, other than divorce, probably the most personal thing to me is I am, and I don't talk about this a lot, but I, I, I feel safe talking about it with you and, and your audience is I'm type one diabetic. Mm-hmm. And it, it was something that was really difficult for me to accept because when I was diagnosed, I was very overweight. And uh, it was like, well, you're diag—I'm diagnosed with type like type two diabetes is the diabetes for people who are overweight. You know, that's kind of the, the right. general stereotype of it. And, you know, and uh, well, well, so I had like a dormant version of type one that was always with me, but didn't really kind of come to fruition until I was in my 20s. And it was really-
1: that's the one that's normally as a child. You know, that- out, right?
0: Yeah a lot like a large percentage of people who have type 1 get diagnosed by the age of 12. Mm-hmm. So but it's possible, right? Maybe t- I don't know what the stat is, maybe 10% of people get diagnosed as adults with type 1. So I'm part of that 10% or whatever the percentage is. And I might be wrong about that percentage. I just know it's a vast majority of people get diagnosed with that as children if they have it. But I one of the things that I realized over the past, you know, um 15 years having to deal with the diabetes is that at first for years it was something that I was so ashamed of I didn't even tell people about it and I would hide my insulin I would you know I was so ashamed of it and what I realized after several years is this is actually this diagnosis as devastating as it's been and as much as it's affected my day-to-day life with insulin management and I mean there's a whole slew of other things you have to do it's like a full-time job it is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me mm-hmm. and I say that because I was very unhealthy. I was very overweight. I have since maintained a healthier lifestyle. I started running. I've recently lost about 30 pounds, which you know, my weight still. For you. Yeah. yeah. Like my weight still fluctuates. But what the type one diagnosis did is really put a microscope on how I'm taking what am I feeding myself? How am I taking care of myself, mind, body, and soul? And I gotta tell you, it was hard to look at and hard to say. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you're really not taking. So it was like God coming down and giving me this diagnosis to say, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to this, Andrea. It's time to do better. So yeah. I don't mean to get off topic with talking about family, but it's it's the same with divorce, you know. Hey, oh, Andrea, absolutely. You've got to yeah. you've got to look at your view of marriage because you have two marriages that didn't work out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, now look at how God is using you to to help other families. I mean, help children. I, I remember I met a I met a friend, a new friend at my husband's golf course. She's, she was like you. She was entering into a marriage that had children and she didn't have children. And it just makes me cry. Like she literally shared with me that for 15 years, his wife would not, she just would not let her in. And so. she has not been able to be a mother to those boys, you know. So. And I mm-hmm. mean, just think about that—like the the motherless children that you can gift your children to. Like, yeah. what child doesn't need more mothers? Like, you know, you it really know. does take a village and more love, right? You yeah. know, that's all I mean. Um, more love, right? Let's uh, let's shift a minute because I am a, a wealth educator, a debt eliminator, and I love to empower women around money and. You you said something startling around that women have 41% de- decrease in their income when they go through a divorce. And my friends, it does not have to be that way. I I, I want to just ask you how do you help women in this space? Cuz this is a really, you know, it is actually financial literacy month, April is. I don't know if you knew that. But right. how do you help women in this space? And I, I think we need to create something together around this as well.
0: We should. Yeah, absolutely. I would say of all the topics I talk about with my clients, probably close second to the emotions of divorce. It's the finances of divorce. Like, how do I deal with this? Oh my God, my life is going to be so terrible. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, so there's, there's a few strategies and we could go into this for hours, quite honestly.
1: We need to have another episode, I think just about this, right?
0: (laughs) We could we could honestly, but let me just preview. I, I think there are there are probably like three immediate tips I would give to people in terms of how to sort of tackle the financial literacy that maybe you didn't have during the marriage, especially if your partner handled all the finances, like a lot is
1: often the case. That was the case for me. Yeah.
0: It's common, right? It, you know, so I think first and foremost, it's, you have to like, get over the intimidation of money. Like some people, Mm myself included, I'm not really like numbers oriented. I'm just not, I don't like to pour over spreadsheets. I'm not a detail oriented person in that way where I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I have X income and I have Y expenses. So like Z is kind of my spend, you know, I kind of do things more generally, but here's where you, where you start. Tip one, find someone who's detailed. <laughs> you yeah. have get a financial planner. Like, One of the most important pieces is to have a budget to have, and you don't have to do it yourself. You have to have someone there who's your advocate. You know, there are wonderful CDFAs out there, certified divorce financial analysts, or just a financial planner, whatever. You need to have a budget. You need to get really clear. Step one is clarity, right? And kind of, it's like getting over that intimidation of, I don't even know where to start the start is the phone call, find a professional who can help you. It's not going to cost you more money than it'll save you by having somebody smart helping you with it. Right. So that's step one. I think step, you know, tip two on the finances is make sure that you have a long-term plan. You know, like if you are, you know, you, you have goals of what you want to do. If you used to take a trip to Europe every year, when you were married, you know, look at what those long-term plans are for yourself and don't be afraid to budget and put that together and say, you know what, I might not be able to go to Europe every year for two weeks with my kids, but I'll be darned. I want to go on a really cool road trip, you know, every other year, or I want to be able to go to Disney or I don't know, whatever it is. Like you can put a long-term plan together that is going to be fruitful and effective and like keep you happy while also saving for the future. And so part of that long-term plan is just, you know, working with your financial advisor and understanding what do I need to do in order to make this happen? You might have to rethink your income or your expenses. Those are things that you just need to do, right? Like you just, that's just part of life. Like, you know, either you keep the house or you sell the house. There are trade-offs in all of it. So I think it's really about that long-term plan and where do you see yourself and what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? And then I think the third piece is often, I think we overlook this idea is that I think your network generates your net worth. Mm -hmm. So your network generates your net worth. And what I mean by that is there are countless people who you know, who would be willing to help you and willing to offer you advice, network for new jobs, just help you think through your priorities, right? Think about tapping into your network to help increase your net worth. And, and I mean that on a financial level and an emotional level and a spiritual level. Like, so those are kind of my tips, like get really detailed on your budget. Number one, number two, figure out your long-term plan. And number three, tap into your network for what you need in the area of finances.
1: I love that. And I, I, so I agree with you on every single one of those points and the, 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 The one thing I would add to that is become your own educator. Don't, you know, don't outsource the money conversation, right? money, I hope your money is important to you as it is to anyone, there will never be someone that it's more important to than than you, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, um, hey, girl, we've had some fun. I knew we would. It's already over time. I knew that we we talked. And I really do think we should we should have another conversation around truly financial wellness. You know, one of my programs is journey to financial wellness. And, you know, I help people find their financial freedom number, and I I did that. It was a result of my Dave Ramsey course that I took when I went through my divorce. You know, for you Dave Ramsey fans out there, you know, precursor to his Financial Peace University, right? So, there's so many ways that you're serving your community, Andrea. I'm really excited to be sharing that story with my tribe and others. So, thank you for joining us and your wisdom. It's been lovely to meet you, more and more about your story.
0: Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. Hey, to my Dream Big Nation listeners, I'm so very blessed to be part of your day. I hope these stories are continuing to bring you value and giving you, you know, more insight about what may be next for you in your life. Blessings to you in this amazing life journey. And I'll see you soon. Bye, Andrea. Bye.
0: Hey, Dream Big Nation community, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.